How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. As many times before, as I really like to uh, have on the show, I'm joined by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling, message development, and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com. That's T-I-L-L-E-R, the number 4-Y-O-U.com. It's the social media network for politics. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D. B-A-N-N-O-N, and his website is BannonCR.com. Brad, always good to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Mark. Absolutely. So I want to start with uh, a story that seems to finally be gaining some steam after it kind of seemed to get a slow start considering how significant of uh, a story it may end up being, which is, uh, for those who are familiar with it, uh, there's a, a story this past Sunday that broke in the Washington Post by David Farenthold, and he has subsequently released additional stories on the matter of the Trump Foundation. But the big, you know, Sunday, you know, lengthy piece was this past Sunday uh, in the Washington Post regarding Trump's, the Trump Foundation's unusual practices. Now, for those of you who didn't get a chance to read the story, I'll read you a brief excerpt from it that I find uh, pretty interesting, and it does a good job of summarizing some of the findings, but there's much, much more and additional information that's come out uh, as the investigation has gone further based on contacts they've received in the past few days in response to the story. Story. Uh, so again, this is from David Farenthold at the Washington Post. Quote, the Donald J. Trump Foundation is not like other charities. An investigation of the foundation, including examinations of 17 years of tax filings and interviews with more than 200 individuals or groups listed as donors or beneficiaries, found that it collects and spends money in a very unusual manner. Again, this is the Trump Foundation. For one thing, nearly all of its money comes from people other than Trump. And tax records... The last gift from Trump was in 2008. Since then, all of the donations have been other people's money, an arrangement that experts say is almost unheard of for a family foundation. Trump then takes that money and generally does with it as he pleases. In many cases, he passes it on to other charities, which often often are under the impression that it is Trump's own money. In two cases, he has used money from his charity to buy himself a gift. In one of these cases, not previously reported, Trump spent $20,000 of money earmarked for charitable purposes to buy a six-foot-tall painting of himself. 
Money from the Trump Foundation has also been used for political purposes, which is against the law. The Washington Post reported this month that Trump paid a penalty this year to the Internal Revenue Service for a 2013 donation in which the foundation gave $25,000 to a campaign group affiliated with Florida Attorney General Pamela Bondi, which many of us have heard about before this past Sunday when the story broke, but this is an addition uh, to that news. Trump's foundation appears to have repeatedly broken IRS rules. Let me read that again. Trump's foundation appears to have repeatedly broken IRS rules. See... Why does Trump not want to release his tax returns, I wonder? Uh, back to the story. Uh, these rules require nonprofit groups to file accurate paperwork. In five cases, the Trump Foundation told the IRS that it had given a gift to a charity whose leaders told the Post that they never had received it. In two other cases, companies listed as donors to the Trump Foundation told the Post that those listings were incorrect. Last week, the Post submitted a detailed list of questions about the Trump Foundation to Trump's pancake campaign officials with the campaign declined to comment end quote again much much more if you read the washington post story by david farenthold but brad i know that you're up on all this and basically also kind of what i summarized here so as the story develops and uh, we'll try to grab some audio that just came down in the last few hours regarding kellyanne conway trump's campaign manager kind of coming a bit unglued today on cnn when being asked about you know whether or not trump actually donates to this foundation or when was the last time he donated to it will you release any information on this and she got very defensive but over what is your take on this story, Brad? Well, uh, in the last couple of days, this has become a very serious issue. Uh, it's getting uh, much more, it's getting more and more press play uh, every day. Uh, it took a while after the Post article came up came out on Sunday uh, for the news networks to pick it up, uh, but I believe CNN mentioned it for the first time yesterday. Uh, and if you read the article on Sunday, and I did, you can read it on the uh, Washington Post website, uh, it's pretty ugly. Uh, and like you said, uh, Trump would uh, give money uh, to people or organizations and say, this is my generous contribution uh, to help your work, whatever it was. Uh, but in the article, it's pretty clear he narrated, none of it was his money. Uh, he would get money from other people, individuals, organizations, uh, and then give it to the charities and pass it off uh, on his own. Uh, and I think that because of all the scrutiny, the Clinton Foundation uh, got, uh, it's high time for the cable news networks to take a look at uh, Donald Trump's uh, big financial scam. He, uh, he, this, you know, it's a mess, and I think it's becoming clear. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, the New York Times did an analysis of his uh, uh, financial affairs. Uh, the Post ran this article on Sunday, and it's pretty clear that if you look at the both of those reports, that uh, Trump's so-called great financial empire is built on sand. Uh, there's really nothing there. Uh, and I think that's why he's uh, refused so vehemently to leave his taxes, uh, to release his taxes. Uh, he's created this myth about what a great businessman he is. Uh, and uh, it's pretty clear if you read the New York Times report uh, and the new Post report, uh, it's basically one big financial scam. Brad, I also actually just found uh, a brand-new story from um – 
David Ferrant hold on the Washington Post that I want to share just a little brief excerpt from regarding um, this same story, the same reporter. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because his story actually got CNN and, like you said, other networks to finally ask the Trump campaign about this, the fact that Trump is not actually donating to his foundation Yet he, in a lot of instances in this story, Sunday was amazing. It went all the way back to his time on Celebrity Apprentice where he even used words like this. I'm going to make a donation and this is going to come directly from my wallet. Yet when the tax returns, which we have for the Trump Foundation and not for Trump, came out, the money would not come from him. It would come from the foundation. And obviously people donating to the foundation were not under the impression that he was going to then say that, you know, this money came from him. Uh, so, again, this is from David Farenthold today. Uh, this came down in the last few hours. Let me just get the title for you. Uh, Donald, Donald J. Trump Foundation is Trump's money, his campaign manager says, yet it's not. Uh, Donald Trump's campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, was asked on CNN this morning to provide evidence to prove Trump's claim that he has given generously to charity. She did not. In the process, Conway also seemed to be unaware of a key fact about Trump's personal charity, the Donald J. Trump Foundation, which is the Trump Foundation's money doesn't actually come from Trump's own pocket. Quote, Donald Trump has been incredibly generous over the course of his life, Conway told CNN's Allison Camerata, uh, Allison, excuse me, with his own money, Camerata asked, quote, with his own money and his foundation's money, which is his money, Conway replied, from all available tax records, that is not true. In fact, tax records show Trump has not given any money to his namesake since 2008, which we mentioned. Uh, the Washington Post described the workings in an article Sunday, which we also mentioned. It's possible that Conway knows something that is not yet public and has seen proof Trump has donated his own money to the Trump Foundation in 2015 or 2016. The foundation has not released information about those years, and its public tax filings only go up to 2014. The Post has asked repeatedly, including again Tuesday morning, for information about any such recent donations, but the Trump campaign has not responded to those questions. And on CNN, Conway did not offer any evidence of new donations. Instead, when Camerata challenged her, quote, no, the foundation money is other people giving to the foundation. Conway seemed to concede. Other people, but okay, she said, but he's been incredibly generous. So, Brad, as this story starts to go deeper down the rabbit hole, whatever terminology you want to use, it seems ironic that Trump would attack the Clinton Foundation, and we look at all the work that they've done that the Clintons have actually donated, you know, which you can see what they've donated to their foundation and the, the money where their foundation has actually, you know, been how it's been used. Yet when you look at the Trump Foundation, the biggest story of the last month has been the fact that it was illegally gifting uh, the Florida Attorney General, who then subsequently dropped the uh, Trump investigation, excuse me, the investigation into Trump University. So, um, you know, I, I find it very interesting that it, it it seems to take the media longer to respond to these stories yet and this is actual you know kind of there's meat there there's something there you know you can look at numbers you can look at data it's not just opinions whereas you have people who were you know um all of a sudden expert doctors by watching a, a you know a 10 second clip of hillary clinton on sunday and you know it was just everywhere so uh the way that the media seems to respond to these stories is obviously frustrating um but i'm happy to see that it's actually finally gaining some yeah traction. it is finally beginning to penetrate but you know you have to there's context here there's a political context you have to consider first of all uh we've been raked you know, the media has been raking over the Clinton Foundation for months, despite the fact uh, that uh, it gets 
gets an A rating from the uh, most prominent uh, foundation uh, uh, grader in the nation. I think it's like Charity Charity Watch or Charity Work. Yeah, they yeah, gave it. Charity Watch gave yeah. it an A. And the other thing Charity Watch said, and I forget the exact figure, but it's in the 80% range uh, that the foundation uh, actually uses and spends uh, on the intended uh, people, whether they're poor um, or uneducated uh, or uh, unhealthy, the foundation actually spends on these poor people 80-something percent of what it raises, uh, which is way above the uh, industry norm. And, you know, I guess what I would say here, what's good for the gander is good for the goose. Uh, they've been, you know, they've been going through the foundation with fine-tooth comb for months. Uh, you can't escape stories about it. And finally, they're getting around Trump, although I could argue they're taking their time doing it. Uh, the article's been out Sunday, uh, and uh, the networks are very slow to pick it up. Uh, the same networks were jumping all over uh, Hillary Clinton uh, on the issue of the Clinton Foundation. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Brad. When I get back, uh, when we get back here, I want to play some audio from Mike Pence, Trump's running mate, that surfaced yesterday, or actually happened yesterday, with Wolf Blitzer. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it or are, we're going to get uh, get your opinions on the other side of the break as well as Brad's. If you'd like to join in on the conversation regarding the Trump Foundation or the Mike Pence comments from yesterday. Uh, we're also going to discuss um, just the campaign overall, how Hillary Clinton uh, is managing basically trying to still have her campaign run despite having what was essentially walking pneumonia and still trying to push through. Um, also some information uh, that I thought was pretty interesting regarding a Trump rally yesterday where, unfortunately, surprise, surprise, uh, there was violence at the rally, and you probably won't be shocked to hear what Trump said in reaction to that. So, again, to join us is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888 888- Six five three seven five four three. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall, and we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Eight 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 six Leslie. Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We've got some calls coming up. We're probably going to take them uh, after this next segment only because uh, we've got not that much time in this segment. And we're uh, again joined by Brad Bannon. Brad, uh, I wanted to ask you a question after we play this audio. You probably heard it. This is from Trump's running mate, uh, Mike Pence, yesterday uh, on CNN with Wolf Blitzer. Many of you have heard it. Some of you have not. But for those of you who haven't or have, we're just going to play it again. It's a brief clip. Uh, Here's the exchange. There are supporters, and you know this, there are some supporters of Donald Trump and Mike Pence uh, who like David Duke, for example, and some other white nationalists, who would fit into that category of uh, deplorables, right? 
Well, I, as I've told you the last time I was on, I, I, I'm not really sure why the media keeps dropping David Duke's name. Uh, Donald Trump has denounced David Duke repeatedly. We don't want his support, and we don't want the support of people who think so like him. So you call him a deplorable. You would call him a I, no, no, I don't. I'm not in the name-calling business, Wolf. You know me better than that. So, obviously, uh, for those of you who just heard that, that was Trump running mate uh, Mike Pence with Wolf Blitzer and referring to the Hillary Clinton comment from this past Friday where she referred to, uh, she said, being grossly generalistic, something like half of Trump supporters she would put into a basket of deplorables, whether they be racist, xenophobic, um, homophobic, you know, all sorts of bigotry, Islamophobic. Uh, and then in response to that, the Wolf Blitzer, using that line of, questioning asked about david duke and other white nationalists and after don't forget this was after um trump ref, you know infamously refused to disavow david duke in an interview with jake tapper although he eventually did um now you have this as well as right after that came out david duke who is running for senate uh said that it's a good idea or excuse me, it's good to see an individual like Pence and others start to reject, quote, this absolute media control, a controlled media game. So almost giving them like a high five. Um, Brad, you know, after seeing all this, what's your take on it? Well, uh, you know, if we can't agree that someone like David Duke is deplorable, uh, then we're in real trouble. I mean, here's a guy who's a neo-Nazi. He's a white supremacist. Uh, at one time, he was the uh, top official nationally in the uh, uh, in the Klan. And he was the Grand Wizard uh, of the KKK, yeah. From uh, Louisiana now as a Republican, uh, and he said on several occasions that he's a supporter uh, of Donald Trump. Uh, so I think uh, Mike Pence's refusal uh, to say that uh, David Duke is deplorable is a sad reflection on the uh, ties that the uh, Trump campaign uh, has with white supremacist groups, uh, with uh, uh, with uh, you know hate groups generally. I mean, look, look, look his, the chairman of his campaign, uh, Steve Bannon, who fortunately I'm not related to. Uh, Thank God for that. Look at the uh, the new the uh, website he runs, uh, Breitbart News, it's full of racist attacks. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, look at the people who are supporting Donald Trump. And, boy, boy you know, if if, you know, Mike Pence doesn't think that Donald Trump is deplorable, uh, then we've got, you know, then he has real problems. And I think, in general, the ties uh, that uh, the Trump campaign, and there are many of them, have to white supremacist groups uh, and neo-Nazi groups uh, is very troubling. Brad, I agree with you on that one. We're going to come back after this uh, quick commercial break just in four minutes. We'll be right back with you, and we're going to get to those calls. One line open, 888-6-LESLIE. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Uh, Brad, before we go to the calls, uh, an ad just surfaced uh, today, actually, by the Hillary Clinton campaign in response to Donald Trump's ad, which cut from uh, Hillary Clinton's comments this past Friday regarding uh, the ones I mentioned, the basket of deplorables comment, and Trump saying that it shows in his ad that Hillary Clinton doesn't respect American voters. Um, I thought the Clinton ad quite um, efficiently used Trump's own words against him in this ad, which there's a lot of material to do so. So it's Trump's always going to be in that position, or it seems like always almost on any issue where he criticizes someone where you can find, you know, two or three times as many instances where he did something just as egregious or even worse. So it's kind of hard for him to have any solid ground to stand on. Uh, this is uh, a portion. Actually, this is the ad uh, that was uh, cut by the Hillary Clinton campaign today. You can't lead this nation if you have such a low opinion for its citizens. How stupid are the people of the country? We're building a wall. He's a Mexican. You got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Oh, I don't remember. You're living in poverty. Your schools are no good. You have no jobs. What the hell do you have to lose? If you look at his wife, she had nothing to say. She probably, maybe she wasn't allowed to have anything to say. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. So you treat women with respect? Uh, I can't say that either. All right, good. You can't lead this nation if you have such a low opinion for its citizens. I mean, I think it just... It hits the nail right on the head. I, I, I don't think you, you could have come out with any better of an ad because, again, it's using his own words against him in much starker terms, whereas Hillary Clinton was blasting uh, bigotry and xenophobia and, you know, racism, um, homophobia and Islamophobia. And then you have Trump just all over the map, um, you know, for no apparent reason, blasting, you know, women, yeah. and, you know, people with disabilities. So it kind of takes his legs out right from under him, it seems. Well, it does. And I've always thought the most effective way to go after Trump is to use his own words to hang him. Uh, you know, and I thought that ad did a very good job of that. You know, let me say something, though, uh, about, you know, it's never a good idea for anybody to make generalizations about people. Uh, and that's what Hillary Clinton said uh, when she apologized for the remarks. Uh, you know, it's, all, it's almost always a bad idea to categorize um, a group of people as this or that uh, because you have, you know, you don't have people, groups of people are individuals. Uh, and I, I think that was a serious mistake on Hillary Clinton's part. Uh, but I think she's uh, recovered very nicely. And the idea of uh, Trump saying, well, you know, she's not, you know, she's playing dirty, that's, you know, ridiculous. And, and that's what the Clinton people showed in the ad. Brad, I think that's a very good point, and I absolutely think, obviously, if she had a chance to do it over, she would absolutely say it differently as she, you know, um, when she responded after the uh, clip had been heard by everyone, 
she said anytime you're grossly grossly generalistic it's a huge mistake and those words she actually used right before she said it that said i I couldn't agree with you more and you manage campaigns for a living Um, we actually have a caller who wants to talk about that managing you know how clinton manages the campaign uh and you know basically can try to turn out the vote uh versus uh how president obama was able to do so uh and how she's going to face off against trump here uh so we're going to go to uh nathan in columbus who's actually following on periscope nathan if you could actually make sure that periscope is turned down and you're just listening through your phone we won't get any feedback thanks for giving us a shout and go ahead uh, with your question yeah so so my main question is this is that i was watching an interview yesterday on msnbc with uh, chris matthews uh where there was this pollster who uh, who's been doing these rigorous polls and, you know, he made a good point, and I think I've seen that a lot in my experience living in a college town with a lot of young people, is that he said that, you know, if the Obama won the swing states of Ohio and Florida by a pretty thin margins, okay, so to bring out the Obama coalition, you have to pretty much do exactly what Obama did. Because what Obama did, he expanded the electorate to people who never voted, and he made African Americans who were like 11% of Ohio um, two years ago, in 2006, up to 15% in 2008. Yeah, he made uh, Latinos who were voting who were 60%, uh, let's say 20% of the electorate in Florida, he would make them 29%, 30%, because they would turn out for Obama. And, the, and I, the, what I see as a problem for Hillary is that there's this narrative that, that Hillary and, and, and Donald Trump are like, bad and equally bad narrative. And every time I go to a, a college party or meet up with young people, they say, you know what, I don't like Trump, I don't like Hillary, either. I'm just going to stay home or I'm going to vote Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, I'm just going to stay home, right? Uh, so that's one problem. And the second thing that I see is, you know, Trump's, <clears throat> Trump's not like normal Republicans. He will come on the debate stage and start, start talking about stuff like her Wall Street. Because I voted for Bernie in the primaries. The stuff that turned me off, that a lot of young people do get turned off, is the Wall Street speeches that she won't release. That is kind of troubling, even as a liberal. And then, you know, things like, you know, uh, Bill Clinton's uh, past, uh, his rape allegations and stuff like that. If, if those things come up in the debate, I don't know if Hillary can punch back with Donald. And I don't know where that's going to leave us with turnout. I'm not worried about these people voting for Trump. But I'm just saying if, if the people don't show, out, uh, show up, the electorate could look more like 2004 with white working class Democrats voting for Trump. That would be a disaster for Democrats. I think it's a very good and uh, smart question. Obviously, you follow the news closely. I think you know those are very realistic situations that the Hillary Clinton campaign is uh, working at right now. So, Brad, since this is your profession, uh, go ahead and uh, if you want to answer Nathan there. Well, Nathan, I think you're right. There is a significant problem uh, that Hillary Clinton has. Uh, if uh, the Washington Poll, uh, Post released a uh, national poll on Sunday, now the good news was it showed uh, Hillary Clinton uh, five points up uh, with likely voters and ten points up uh, with all registered voters. Uh, the concern, if you look at the poll, 
is that according to the post-analysis, which I think is correct, the uh, Trump voters are a lot more motivated and interested in the election, uh, which suggests that uh, turnout is a concern for Hillary Clinton, uh, and it is. So I, I agree that's a problem. Uh, the elect in terms of the electoral votes uh, you brought up, uh, Barack Obama won 331, and Mitt Romney won uh, only 207. Now Trump has two problems: uh, a he has to take 60 of those electoral votes uh, that were in the uh, Obama column last time and uh, put them in the Republican column. And some of these states ha- that he's targeting haven't voted for a Republican presidential candidate in decades. Uh, the other problem Trump has is that I think one good thing Hillary Clinton's done is she's expanded the electoral map. Uh, last week, NBC released a poll that showed Hillary Clinton uh, is four points up in Texas uh, and essentially in a dead heat with Trump in Georgia and Arizona. Uh, and that's six, those three states are 68 electoral votes altogether. Uh, and I think Hillary Clinton has a chance to win states that Barack Obama couldn't even dream of winning. And is that, I think, a lot because of demographic changes, the fact that millennials are now the biggest voting block. That was something that I thought was interesting that Nathan brought up, um, that President Obama was having these people vote for the first time, you know, in 2008. And now, you know, we're eight years older. I'm, a, I'm actually right at the, the oldest scale of the millennial generation at 34. Um, but I, you know, I see a lot of the same issues. I, as I've mentioned before, I voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary, volunteered for him. But those who follow Bernie followed him because of the issues. That was what his whole campaign was based upon. And if you look at the platform that he and Hillary worked in the Democratic, uh, you know, uh, committee, platform committee, um, it's, a, it's the most progressive platform in the history of the Democratic Party. So I think that's something that uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, the, the campaign needs to, to push, especially to, in their get out the vote efforts. And um, that's going to bring me uh, to, you know, the things that they're talking about, which is uh, making college more affordable, um, having uh, small uh, community colleges and two-year colleges be tuition-free, talking about uh, having a uh, constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United and get money out of politics, a uh, small donor matching system, also having promised that she would only nominate Supreme Court justices that would overturn Citizens United. Um, these are all, you know, basically advocating to expand the Affordable Care Act, not tear it apart, believing in science and climate change, which Donald Trump calls a, a Chinese hoax, um, and also just not being an, a bigot that Donald Trump is. These are all issues that resonate with myself and other millennials. Um, so I think th- a lot of millennials are concerned about the issues, um, whereas you find some older voting generations, uh, you know, like the baby boomers, seem to be a little bit more into some of the older issues that tend to um, divide more evenly along lines of, of race. You don't see that necessarily as much with the millennial generation, which I find interesting, as each generation, I think, sees race differently uh, for obvious reasons as the country has changed. Um, But as far as talking more uh, about the issues, some that uh, I just brought up, I want to go next to a caller. And thank you very much, Nathan and Columbus, for your call. I appreciate it. You're welcome to call anytime. Uh, Next, we go to uh, Matt in Charlotte, North Carolina. Matt, thank you very much for uh, calling the show. We appreciate it. And go ahead uh, with your thoughts today, sir. Uh, Yeah, you know, I've been hearing a lot on the radio, different radio stations of people 
you know, saying this about Hillary and this about Trump. But you know what? These people, I read, I read uh, Hillary's 100 pl- uh, plan or whatever it was on her website, and, and her plan doesn't really uh, get to the real issues that we have in the United States. So I look at it like her getting in office and not doing nothing for the American people. And I'm 100% liberal, okay? And I care about people. I do great myself. I actually, like you, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. I was in uh, Philadelphia for six days protesting at the uh, Democratic Convention. You know, I do my civic duty and stuff like that and stand up for what's going wrong in America. And I do not see Hillary moving our country forward. And that's the biggest problem that I believe that she has. Well, okay, let me ask you a question, and then I'll let you continue, just so we don't miss that point, because I think it's an important point that a lot of voters, you know, are faced with. Is you know, statistics do show, and polls do show that uh, eight out of ten people who supported Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary support Hillary Clinton. One out of ten actually supports Donald Trump, and then one out of ten mixes between Jill Stein, and Gary Johnson, and those are people who are still planning to vote now. Obviously, that. You know, those are polls. You're talking about specific issues and and what you've read on her website. Um, The biggest issue, I would say, and the thing that that honestly, someone who most people honestly who listen to talk radio, and you can probably attest to this, Matt, you know, Nathan, who I'm sure just called and Brad and myself are usually very invested in the issues. They follow the race very closely. And most people I find who are, you know, looking, when you ask them what are the most important issues this election, I think they very smartly say the Supreme Court because the Republicans have obstructed President Obama, which is, you know, obviously never happened in history with something like, I don't know, it was something insane, like almost 300 days left in his presidency, not even having hearings for Merrick Garland, um, which was obviously, you know, Obama put it forward because he was moderate and older, um, trying to extend an olive branch, and they slapped that away. So you, they say the next president will decide, which they will. And not only that, I forget what the average age is of the Supreme Court justices that are currently sit, sitting on the bench, but I think it's in the high 70s, if I'm not mistaken. So, it is in the high 70s. Yeah. It's, and you have three justices who were, uh, I think, three justices who were over 80. Correct. And you have, obviously, the next president could, you know, would be in for four years, but could be in for eight years. So the amount of Supreme Court justices that they would nominate would be potentially unprecedented. And obviously, only one justice swings the balance on issues like the Affordable Care Act, which we've seen, obviously, was a very close vote. You never know what, you know, another other five conservative justices would do. But more importantly, if we have a Democratic or liberal justice, or overturning Citizens United is huge to me because of money and politics. Everything you see, every single issue has to do with money. And that's how people get into power and stay in power. And if you can peel away at that, the biggest single thing you could do, an arrow through the heart of the money and politics problem is having a fifth liberal justice to overturn Citizens United. Would it, would it, would it fix everything? Absolutely not. But that would be the biggest thing you could do. It would be bigger than almost any legislation you could expect this Congress to pass, number one. Number two, you have things like the President Obama's clean power plan, which is hanging in the balance, and there was a hold put on that, which would reduce our carbon footprint by something like 30% because power plants are a massive you know, pollutant into our environment. That's number two in my mind. Number three would be the way that um, you have um, 
uh, what the, oh, gun, uh, how the Second Amendment is actually read and applied, which was absolutely perverted, and they took out the part for, of a well-regulated militia, uh, which absolutely would affect gun legislation and the way that gun legislation could, you know, be guns would be regulated in this country. And number four, which I think is a very big issue, is you have five million uh, undocumented immigrants who could have their families torn apart right now and are, could be deported, especially imagine if you not only do not have that uh, uh, executive order applied by the president, you'd also have Donald Trump making things even worse. So I understand, uh, after being someone who is very passionate about Senator Sanders, but I listen to his words, and I believe he's a truthful man. I believe he's a man of principle. And when I listen to him endorse Hillary Clinton, I listen to the reasons why he said so, and it was issue after issue. So I feel your passion, and I want to let you respond, Matt, but the, I, okay, I, I okay. grappled this, with this, this myself. Is a scene, is, is that I, I spent, okay, after I left Philadelphia, I spent uh, time in Virginia, North Carolina, a little bit in South Carolina, and Georgia. And I asked the same question to you do to people, okay? And, and, and I, I, work, I work on the coast, so I'm able to travel whenever I, I want to travel. Okay, so then, so basically, and I work in well in the marine industry. So, you know, like, so as I'm talking to people, what they care about is they care about being able to feed their family in health care and not having college uh, uh, debt as much as they, as they have. And they don't see that's Congress that passes the laws for, the, uh, for what we're, what's going to happen. Not not the president. The president only signs the law. Okay, Hillary okay, is well not going to vote Trump. Let me ask you a question. Let me, no, good point. What do you think the types of laws that Donald Trump would sign into law versus Hillary Clinton? Number okay, one. Well, one thing that we know that, that, that health care, that these insurance companies, that their stock has doubled since the passing of health care, so they're benefiting more than the American people are. Yes, thank God we are saving uh, uh, thousands of people's lives every year. Thank Obama for that. But still, the American people are still getting suckered into this health care plan that needs to be changed. And according to Donald Trump, he brought that up. Okay, okay Donald Trump wants did. to tear he down the Affordable Care Act. Right. Yeah, do you want to, Donald Trump wants, I, I have to go to break here. Donald Trump has said he wants to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, full repeal. And don't you think a Republican Congress that's tried to repeal it almost 50 times would go along with him? I mean, I understand your points, but everything you just listed, whether it was college affordability, middle class tax cuts, or the Affordable Care Act, it's a no-brainer between these two people. I mean, if you truly care about the issues, which you said, then look past the rhetoric and look at the actual plans. I mean, and listen to Bernie Sanders, who has gave a full-throated endorsement of Hillary Clinton. Brad, I want to let you comment on that when we get back. We have to take our final commercial break. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We are back with the Leslie Marshall Show. Brad, as promised, I want to give you the last word here. Uh, you've got about a little over a minute. Uh, go ahead with your thoughts, Brad. Well, uh, first of all, you uh, are right. The Supreme Court is the, is the ball game uh, because Hillary Clinton can propose laws until the cows come home. But as Nathan said, uh, he, she has to get Paul Ryan's agreement to anything that becomes law. And she's not going to have any more luck doing that than Obama did. So it's all about the Supreme Court for the reasons uh, you just talked about. 
Yeah, and I think that that's something that I, 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 I sometimes you risk being quote unquote too much in the weeds when you get in issues like that. But I think this is too important to not bring up, and I'd like to see it brought up, especially in the debates. And I think Bernie Sanders proved that Americans want to hear about issues, and they have traction. That was something that I don't think people realize as much until it gained so much traction. Um, I mean, it's one of the reasons he was so popular. So great points by you, Brad. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find Brad's work uh, on his website, BannonCR.com, or he's a great follow on Twitter, as I mentioned, at Brad Bannon. He runs Bannon Communications Research. You can follow me, Mark Grimaldi on Twitter at Mark J. Grimaldi. This has been Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall on the Leslie Marshall Show. 